Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Mutants, Layers, and Jedi. Oh, oh my. my. James, what are we talking about today? Um, we are talking about the masterpiece <laughs> that is Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yes. <laughs> One is not good enough. Right. So, James, why did you want to talk about... Okay, so this movie is very homoerotic. Yes. It's very... Um, I think it's probably best known for the homoeroticism mm-hmm. of it. And I just think it would be... I mean, just like the last movie we watched, which was, I think, unintentionally homoerotic. Mm-hmm. I think this movie was unintentionally homoerotic as well. Yes. But I... We're going to talk about it more, but I think there are some circumstances where it was purposeful. I was like, oh, they could not... Come on. Yeah, when you suggested it, I was totally down because I just love, obviously, if you listen to our past episodes, especially talking about The Covenant, I love movies where there is this unintentional underlying theme, especially when we living in this age, particularly in the 1980s, of overt masculinity. Uh, So I love it when a movie like this happens. And it's like, yeah, that's right. It's in the undercurrent. It's there. It's all the subtext that's not subtext at all. Exactly. It's like, oh, no, that's just text yeah, cool. just text. <laughs> I think it's really, really um, interesting. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I mean, it's like something that wasn't explored at all in the first one because obviously he is harassing, Freddie is harassing Nancy. So yeah. it's very like heteronormative, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scary slasher villain after female hero of the story, Scream Queen. Great. The second one just kind of like, we're like, they were like, oh, you know what we should do? is make the main character a man this time. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think they were expecting it to become (laughs) a very different sort of movie with a male lead in the position. Exactly. And it's like, isn't it interesting how even just that change alone changes the dynamic and the subtext? Rarely see that. I mean, you see the monsters of the story killing men. Yeah. But you don't really see that like, harassing and going into their dreams as much and like becoming obsessed and like a thing. It changes the tone of the movie and even certain lines where if you had delivered it to a woman, it would have a very different meaning, but being delivered to a man, it brings out this whole other element of the story. And I, I, I'm all about it. So before we dive totally into the queer textual loveliness, that is Mm -hmm. this movie. I know that we both are big horror movie buffs and we both like horror movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Where does Freddy, because we haven't really talked about like any of the iconic slasher mm-hmm. movie guys yet, and uh-huh. we are going to do it, and I'm very excited. Yes. But let's talk about Freddy and where he kind of like ranks for you. Did you grow up watching Nightmare on Elm Street? Was oh. it a big horror, was he a big horror buff for you like when growing up? Growing up, I started off mostly with the universal monsters and going more into the supernatural element. So I grew up with supernatural horror. That's what got me into that genre. And I loved it. I remember watching like Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, all of those. And then when I got a little older, I would see the Hammer Horror movies with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So those were my, I'll be honest, that's like my formative horror right there. That was my... It was. It was. It was my gateway. 
Christopher Lee was kind of my gateway drug into horror, not going to lie. So it wasn't until I think I was, I was a preteen that I started getting into like the slasher movies. So Scream and Friday the 13th and Freddy. So that happened later. For me, I'll be honest, my go-to is Christopher Lee as Dracula or Peter Cushing as Van Helsing. Like those are in my heart, my very, very top, but I do love my slasher movies very much. (laughs) And so I think as far as that wonderful 80s slasher element, Freddy's my number one. I love Freddy because he's such an interesting fucking character. And Robert England does such a good job playing him. He's charismatic. He's terrifying. He's funny. Like, he's just such an interesting villain. Like, even if the movie isn't the best Freddy movie, I'm going to enjoy it because of his presence in it. That's true. I totally I get that. Like, I think, like, yeah, because, like, not all of his movies are great. Right. But I think Robert England is great in all of them. Absolutely. And he is balls to the wall. He's like, I'm all in. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I think in that, that saves a lot of the film, the movies that Absolutely. Derek. So how about yourself? How does Freddy stack up for you as far as horror? I mean, okay, so I grew up watching Universal Monster movies and a lot of Alfred Hitchcock. Nice. So I grew up with an interesting... My dad was, like, all about the Universal Monsters, and my mom was like, Alfred Hitchcock and I were born on the same day, and I love his direct <laughs> connection, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this is very different. But, um, you know, I got, like, a lot of Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff. Yeah. And, oh. and then, like, over here... With my mom, it was, like, Vertigo and Psycho and, like, mm-hmm. you know, these great movies um, by Alfred Hitchcock, which are fabulous. And um, so it's sort of an interesting, like, amalgamation of both. And Psycho, I think, led me into doing, like, getting into um, Halloween and Jason and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was in there and, Bra- and Chucky and, yeah. like, all these, like, very weird movies that I just I was totally infatuated with. And I don't remember the sequence of what, like, I'm, but I remember one Christmas that my dad, I think I've told this story before, but my dad, I like forced him to get me every single movie of Halloween like wow. over Christmas. And he was like, you're broken inside. I'm worried. <laughs> um, <laughs> single one of them with you but I don't remember her ever being like worried she was just like oh sure and I was like oh no <laughs> now looking back and I'm like interesting yeah. interesting approach to mother uh, interesting uh-huh. um choices choices yeah. were made choices <laughs> but I think um because I grew up watching like all these horror things they're just like James understands that it's not real it's all right. fictional and ridiculous and so I watched all of Halloween and I was like oh. totally invested in the like the little girl they introduced later, don't remember her name, but she's like the other sister that Mike oh. Myers had. They went all they went everywhere. Yeah, that's where the, the franchise went after Laurie Strode exited and I and it was so interesting. It fell apart in a big way, but I still <laughs> kinda loved it. Yeah. And I was like, oh now there's like a cult and Mike Myers is part of the cult and something witchy this way comes. And I was like, this is confusing. And I'm like, I, I like it. Um, the weirder things get sometimes I'm like the more invested I become making a long story an epic. I think for me, Freddie wasn't as pivotal mm-hmm. a character when I was growing up as say like Mike Myers, and okay. Jason Green guy was because for some reason I just didn't get as into those movies mm-hmm. until later. And what? then I watched all of them and it was the best. And like, it's sort of like a pinhead Hellraiser 
feel. It was like, oh, it's a weird dream, but not a dream. Like, it's, uh, there's a lot of like pinhead Freddy right. Krueger overlap <clears throat> in my mind. Yeah, like I'm like they, they should team up. You know what? It's interesting you bring that up because something I forgot to mention was another franchise I love. Similar as far as going into the path of absurdity and the more absurd it got, the more into it I got, is the Hellraiser franchise. Absolutely. I love the Hellraiser franchise. I've seen every single one of those. Every direct-to-DVD, the one with Henry Cavill, I've seen it multiple times. Thank you very much. Anyway, so it's interesting you bring up that common element between the two because I completely agree. And I think the reason why, as far as the actual monster, the bad guy, Freddy stands out so much to me is because I've always been interested in dreams, what they say about us. And, you know, that's something human beings have been fascinated for hundreds of years, if not thousands, is our relationship with dreams. What do they say about us? What happens in the world of dreaming? So any kind of horror franchise that steps into that territory, I absolutely love and you know that's what freddy capitalizes on and as far as halloween even though freddy may be one of my favorite villains laurie strode is my favorite scream queen no laurie strode is a fucking rock star yeah. Really, Curtis is amazing. yeah so i'm like she's like my i'm like i don't even remember like nancy i don't remember her sorry like Aww. you were fine <laughs> But like, no, but there, I mean, I think Jesse, this, the character we're going to talk about eventually in this movie. <laughs> eventually we'll get um, back to him. I think he's a better actor than Nancy was. Mm-hmm. I think Nancy wasn't a great actress. I think she was fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think she was great. Oh. Billy Curtis is great. And she was great in that first movie. And she like clicked into who Laurie Strode was immediately. She had like a sense of innocence, but still kind of like a little bit of edge to her. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like this whole character and it was really interesting because she didn't really do a lot before getting this role. And so it was really, it's cool to watch like her first yeah. lead role. Like she's talked about like on every page in the goddamn book, like script. So yeah. it's like, it's, you know, star making role. The actress who played Nancy, I don't know who that is. And oh, I, her name's Heather Langenkamp. Sorry. Okay. No, please, because oh, no. I feel bad not remembering who she is. Oh, no, no. See, so obviously if you're listening to this, you probably already know. Heather Langenkamp, she was Nancy in the first one, and she came back later into the series. And I did enjoy Nancy, frankly, because of what they did with her character later. Because in the first movie, she is your archetypal, sweet, innocent teenage girl who's being attacked by this evil presence. So it's very much within the formula of slasher horror movie final girl and i'll be honest in the first movie i was like oh nancy's fine you know whatever but it wasn't until they brought her character back later in the third one dream warriors that is one of my favorite freddy movies it is i don't want to go too much into it because obviously we want to focus on freddy too but when nancy shows up in that one that's when i was like yes this nancy this is the nancy i've been wanting to see she's a badass she became like a dream therapist she's gonna help out these kids so they can fucking defeat freddy that's when i got attached to nancy it was in that one because well she got more to do you know she wasn't the victim being attacked she wasn't just a final girl she was she was a warrior this time or so to speak she was like she had a plan she's gonna take freddy down and then we also got to learn more about freddy in that one which was like really cool like more of his backstory i think the final girls are always more interesting in the sequels, like Nev, exactly. like Nev Campbell's character, like I, Nev, Nev Campbell, I thought was good in the first one, yeah. but I thought like, oh, you have a lot more crunchy stuff to do yeah. in the second, fourth one, and we don't talk about the third one, but second and fourth one. <laughs> Although I have to <laughs> say, no 
I have to say, though, I kind of love Scream 3 because it's so absurd. And also Parker Posey. Parker Posey is almost, no, she wasn't. She's not enough to say that. But I love her. Anyway, we should really talk about this movie, yeah. which is... <laughs> that is like our basis love for the horror, the horror genre. So we're going to circle back mm-hmm. to um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which begins with our main character already asleep and dreaming about being on a bus and going to school. And then, you know what was cool, actually? I thought that that opening sequence was okay. Mm-hmm. What was cool, I thought that the special effects of him on the after the ground falls down and all stuff, all that stuff and the lightning and like the two pillars. I was like, that holds up pretty well. Yeah. I rewatched this last night and during that sequence, you can tell it's miniatures and it looks great. Um, it was very Beetlejuice. Mm. I was like, Oh, that's a totally good it was Like, Oh, this is a small scale, but blown up. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's Beetlejuice. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> So I thought that was really good. And then when he woke up screaming and sweaty for the first time, mm. I swear the first act is just him waking up screaming and sweaty. Yeah. Shirtless, by the way. We, we must reiterate, shirtless. He looks great. He got up at that one point with his little tidy whities and I was like, <laughs> someone's packing something. And I liked it. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay. my favorite line, he like screams when waking up and his sister goes... Why can't Jesse wake up like everyone else? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, so this has been happening a couple of times. Yeah. Why can't Jesse wake up like everyone else? Yeah, I like that line. Why? So I got to know, before we continue more with the movie, I want to know the very first time you saw this one. Yeah. What was your reaction to it? I think for me, it was, I was turned on no um (laughs) i think i was i was was sort of intrigued because i was like so used to seeing women as Mm -hmm. leads in slasher films that Mm -hmm. i thought it was cool that it was like a dude yeah and a dude who possibly dealing with homosexuality Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being gay and like a lot of different layers and stuff were going on i thought like i thought when seeing it the first time and i was like i don't know if that wasn't intentional and what was interesting actually is jesse the actor the the guy who plays jesse is gay in real life he came out years later because obviously in the 80s no bueno yeah but um he came out and didn't realize it i think i remember him saying he didn't realize how like homoerotic this movie was when he was in the middle of making it Mm -hmm. but looking back he's like yeah yeah. <laughs> it's pretty erotic, you guys. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I think that was my initial reaction was that going back was that I think that I thought it was an interesting and different approach and a different way of kind of exploring it. Some of it didn't make sense to me. Like I don't, Nancy never had a diary and they, they find a diary and it's like, I know that's like an easy way to like right. make that connection in the two movies, but mm-hmm. I was like a little weak storytelling in a way because never saw her write in a diary ever. Right. But that's fine. Do you? What did you think? What was your initial first reaction when seeing this? I didn't see this movie until way later after years of being into the horror genre. And before seeing it, I already was aware of its reputation as far as being this Mm. unintentionally homoerotic movie. So I went in already having that lens in mind. And so when I watched it, like you, I like the fact that it was a guy starring in it. And then it made me realize these movies rarely star dudes. 
interesting. And it was like we were talking about before, it was so cool to see how much even just that change alone altered the dynamic. And so I was really interested by that. And then of course, just seeing the scenes, we will so go into depth later with the coach and and Grady. And, you know, there were some things like, okay, well, you know, Freddie just walking around in the open. Okay. Well, I don't think that would work. You know, like the nitpicky horror stuff when you're so used to a franchise. Aside from that, I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Some of the special effects hold up beautifully. So I enjoyed the atmosphere of it. There's this really cool documentary about all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It's on Shudder. If you have a Shudder subscription, look it up. I highly recommend it. It's so interesting, especially when they talk about this one. Um, so I, I know it's not a favorite of a lot of the people who watch Freddy, but I think it's entertaining. I think it has a lot of value and it's just, it's just fucking fun. Bonkers. Like, I mean, I think that some of it's like, Probably a little insulting to the LGBT community, but I think it's also fucking hilarious. Like, as a gay man watching it, I was like, this is crazy. I don't think they actually meant to be insulting. I think they literally just didn't know what they were doing. They're like, oh, this will be scary. It'll be a, a dude who's the coach getting strapped up to a shower and another naked guy watching him get a like whipped and then slashed apart and like i'm like oh yeah nothing homoerotic going on there what's no, happening nothing. no not at like, all who i would um, love to have been a fly on the wall when they were filming that scene because like what were they thinking something like that's crazy something i'll say now because i do think you everyone should go and watch that documentary i don't want to just say everything repeat everything they said verbatim but just in general it's interesting because none of them apparently knew the movie they were making and which is, which is wild to me. I mean, maybe it's just because of the age we live in and it's more a topic of conversation now more so than it was then. But in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, how could you not know? But then again, that's what's okay. so interesting. At yes. that time, in the 19- I want to touch down on one of Grady's lines where he says, okay, so Grady, okay, we have to talk about Grady for like an hour and a half. Sure. But um, <laughs> sure. there's this part where Grady's like, oh, the coach goes to like gay S&M bar downtown. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, how is this a line in this movie? And none of them knew that they were literally doing an S&M scene with the coach in the shower. I was like, there is some weird disconnect going on. I know. What's happening? Seriously, watch the documentary because it's mind-boggling to see them be like, oh, well, looking back on it at the time, I didn't realize what I was making. And it's like, how? how?" Funny too, because the... Like, we were talking about the guy who plays Jesse and it is gay. Yeah. But I don't think he was at that level of being comfortable with his own sexuality while filming this, or he wasn't out. I mean, he wasn't out yet. So I think there was a little bit of, like, real disconnect between, like, what's going on in front of him, (laughs) what he's filming, and what's going on in his real life. And I don't know if that's true or not. You know, like, I can't... I'm, like, trying to understand what mindset these people were in where it's, like, and we're filming a lot of gay stuff, but who knows? You know, the mic, what's going on? There's definitely a parallel that unintentionally is being drawn to this creature coming out yeah. of our character. He's coming out, and he's going to scare everyone by coming out. You know, it's like a lot of like, and yeah. I keep saying it too, like I'm going to body and i'm going to come out and this is my coming out like i was like this is you're coming out you're afraid to come out yeah it's bonkers it's fascinating um, 
and even though like, from a narrative perspective, like the thing with Nancy's diary, like some things are like, a little forced, but as far as that element and especially his performance, it's, like, it's good. Like, there's this, it's good. there's this authenticity to it. And, you know, sometimes with horror movies, the acting can be like a little, not on the great side, but honestly him in it. I mean, he goes a little over the top at times, but I was like, Oh, Overall, I think you're delivering a good fucking performance. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think the actor who plays Jesse did a really great job. I was really happy with his performance. I actually think Grady did a good job, too. I thought he was funny. Yeah. I want to talk about, more about him. Yes. I have questions. Yeah. And then, um, okay, I want to talk about what I guess is supposed to be the romance in this movie, oh. which is between this flatbread of a character named, who I nicknamed Meryl, Meryl Bread. Uh-huh. Uh, no, Meryl Beard. I can excuse me, Meryl Beard, because she looks a little bit like Meryl Streep, and he's she's clearly his beard. Yeah, poor Meryl Beard. <laughs> Another thing. Really okay, Meryl Beard. Meryl Beard. No, um, because of course, since this is a little teenage horror movie, there has to be an element of romance in it, and this is our young. These are our young lovers. Lisa, aka Meryl Beard. Meryl Beard. Meryl Beard. Oh, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, I like it. yeah. Meryl, Meryl Beard. Say that five times fast. Woo. So her <laughs> and Jesse. And something I do appreciate about this movie is the fact that Lisa's friends are the ones telling her, "Have you gotten on that yet? Have you hit that yet?" And that's usually the conversations that are bet- happening between men in these movies. So I like the fact that it's happening between the girls because you know what? Sometimes we do talk like that. We do. And it's like, yes. Yeah. yeah thank you. The ladies. Why are you not having sex? Like what's like, why are you? Because he's gay, but we know, <laughs> we know that they don't know that. <laughs> no, I, I like that too. I thought a lot of it was like, Oh, let's flip literally the script on its head. Like yeah. everything, you know, like everything is being flipped on its head a lot because it's like our main character is a dude this time. So we have to find ways to like make him weirdly objectified question mark. Yeah. Is that what we and, do to women all the time? Yes. And of so. course <laughs> and it really does flip the script where it's the girls talking like that. Like when are you going to get on that? You know, with our final boy and he's the do. one that's dealing with intimacy and sexuality. Cause that obviously that's the women typically dealing with that in these movies. So yeah, I just, I love how I, I know I keep bringing this up, but just that dynamic change, I think makes the movie really interesting in that regard. And in that baseball scene where they're talking about like, Oh, are you tapping that? Blah, blah, blah. They showed his ass and it was very nice. He yeah. has a nice butt. And then even his, her girlfriend says nice ass. Yes. Like, Hard agree with that. Yeah, it is. It and is very sh- we. I would also like to point out that just like sleepaway camp, in this scene there are many boys running around in short shorts. I just had to make that observation. Yes. It was the it was the eighties. It was when that was done, and I feel like they we should bring that back right? a lot more. Yeah, come on, it's two thousand and eighteen. Oh, I have to say something about the coach. Okay, so the coach is gay. Um, the coach is gay. Yeah. In this movie. It's just gay. Stop. Yeah. After, okay, so they're, Jesse and Grady are wrestling because they're, they love each other and want to have sex but don't know how to because, show that. Right, so because they, they're, they're repressed so this is how they're able to be together. Express them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then the coach says, he breaks them up and goes, assume the positions. Yeah. What? Like, I was like, 
oh no, this is the start of every gay porn I've ever seen. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? This is great. So I want to focus on this coach character, if I may. It's, let's, so, let's talk about the coach. Let's t- talk about the coach. Now, of course, I'm talking about this from the perspective of being straight. And so I'm interested from your perspective, his character, you brought it up a little earlier, like it is kind of offensive because of the stereotypes it makes with him. I was wondering, what's your reaction to his character? Like, oh, he goes to an S&M club and he's like really shitty to teenage boys that he also wants to bang, clearly. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I think I, I was looking at it through the, the scope of it being made in 1985, right. which was either they didn't, know how I mean they didn't know how to write a gay character fine because they wouldn't know how to write a gay character for the next 30 years um <laughs> yeah. still questionable if yeah. they can or not yeah so <laughs> but you know I mean I didn't find it that offensive because I kind of took it with a grain of salt right. and I was like Desi and Grady are really kind of queer characters to me like mm-hmm. they're actually gay um, in my mind. Right. But I think that, no, if you were going to come face to face with some, somebody like this in a movie now, I think there would be big problems with it. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, it's not great representation. And it's also a little weird because, okay, the gay S&M bar that he goes to later, we see Jesse show up there half naked. What's happening? For like the thousandth time, I'd like to point out, this is like the thousandth time in this movie that he is half naked and sweaty. It's a common thing. Half naked and asleep. (laughs) He sleeps more than Nancy, right? Like, he is asleep a lot. Yeah. But then, um, what was I saying? Oh, okay, so he shows up at the gay S&M bar that's filled with men and women, question mark? I was weirded out by that. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's happening? What's going on? Why are there women here? What? What? And then Jesse comes up to the bar to get a drink, he gets a beer, and then his coach finds him, slams his hand down, and then there's a weird transition to them being at the gym where Jesse is running in the gym, and then she's telling him to take a shower while he's wearing this, while the coach is wearing this leather vest number, yeah. and I was like, what is this movie? Well, how did they get to the, the gym? Where, what? Would- did you get into a car with the coach? What's going on? Jesse, in his dreams, slash reality, because it's a Freddy Krueger movie, shows up after, okay, after a weird moment of him being asleep where the dishes are hit by lightning. Yeah. All these things are very strange Mm -hmm. in this whole sequence. I was weirded out by the whole thing. I mean, it's a Freddy Krueger movie, so it's all dreamscapey weirdness anyway, so it's like, okay. But I mean, that, that transition to them going from the bar to the to the gym with your coach it was weird that was a weird transition no matter what movie and yeah. he's running he's just like running around a track and i was yeah. like what's going i think that on? was their way of just saying well things are weird because it's streaming so it doesn't have to be 100 percent logical and we need a coach to die in this weird way and we need this to happen at the school gym because the the coach torments him at the gym yeah 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 it works it reads yeah it's crazy oh my god okay so we're here let's talk about the coach death scene because so, it's bonkers. Yeah, okay. yeah. So the coach, after they're in the gay, quote-unquote, bar, and they're now in the locker room, and he tells his little dude, his Jesse, to go take a shower while he, I don't know, sits in his office. But then all these balls yes. start flying at him. That's <laughs> it. It's like, it made me think of Clueless, where it was like, 
I can't have balls flying at my face. And she goes, there goes your social life. And I was like, <laughs> this situation happening right now where literal balls are flying at the coach's face mm-hmm. after being in a gay bar and telling a 17 year old to go take a shower. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. So all the balls fly at him. He gets knocked on the ground and then jump ropes tangle around his arms and he proceeds to be dragged out of his office and into the shower mm-hmm. where he's then drunk up mm-hmm. and his clothes are ripped off. The he's clo- getting ripped with a towel, Giselle. A fucking towel. <laughs> on, <laughs> on the butt. The butt. And being whipped on the butt by a towel to death? To On his butt. And then, then Freddy shows up. Freddy shows up and slashes his back open, killing him. Yeah. And then the shower starts spewing blood, which, by the way, all of this has been witnessed by our main character, Jesse, who just stands there. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that that blood from the shower was like a pinkish magenta color. It wasn't blood colored. I was like, I'm like, who was in charge of this special effect? Fired. Fired. (laughs) Seriously. Fired. (laughs) Like, I have a lipstick that color. I know. It was crazy. I was like, that's not great, you guys. So then the coach is dead, and apparently Jesse killed him? Yeah, because of course Freddy is trying to become alive through Jesse. That death is so absurd, and frankly, one of my favorites out of the entire Freddy franchise, because it's like, what is this? Who wrote this? What What movie is this? It's crazy. Yeah. I was like, this is not a horror movie. This is crazy what's happening. (laughs) But also considering the kind of deaths that women typically get, usually get in these movies, they're usually the ones where their clothes are getting ripped off and you have like a boob hanging out as they're being stabbed to death. Yeah. From my experience, I kind of, even though it's absurd, everything we said is true. Also, I kind of appreciate like, oh, so this is what it looks like when it happens to a guy getting stripped naked and getting brutalized and humiliated. You know, I mean, I know it's, it's... Jesse completely nude watching him. Yeah. So we have like a lot of nudity going on. Yeah. There's so a lot. We're flipping the script. It's usually the girls getting ridiculously naked, and this time it's a guy before getting killed. Yeah. So at, at the same time, the reason why I like it is because I think it unintentionally shows see what this looks like. This is what usually happens to the women getting their clothes ripped off, getting tied down, and then like, oh my God, I'm going to get slashed to death. It's interesting to see the script flipped and seeing. And it kind of points out, like, see how this is all kind of absurd? I mean, it's fun. Obviously, we love these movies. I'm not trying to make, like, a grand critique right now, but I just think it's interesting to see it from that perspective. No, it's already been important commentary. Yeah. That was accidental. Of, like, oh, by the way, this might not be the greatest thing that we do to women all the time. Yeah. Like, look at books on the other decks. Yeah, exactly. What's happening? Okay, but I want to go back to or back now because now we're gonna. Fo- I want to go back to a scene when they are in Jesse's falling asleep again. So he's in class and Grady's watching him, and that cracked me up. But then he has a dream about a snake wrapping itself around his neck. A big and I was like, snake. A big fucking snake, and I was like, this movie is. Gay. I wrote down this movie is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. I mean, I was like, this is bonkers. 
And I then, can't. I cannot and, with this. And then, and then the heart. We basically like. Okay, so he wakes up and he's freaking out. Like he's he has a not. I wouldn't describe it as a masculine scream. <laughs> it's fine. I'm like yeah. scream to your heart's desire, but like it definitely was. I mean it. Anyway, and then everyone's laughing at him because he woke up and there's an actual snake wrapped around him. It, it was like right. this is crazy. A part of that scene that stuck out to me is when the teacher notices this and he's like, give me my snake back. This is my snake. Like, he's very protective of his snake. That, <laughs> I always, like that, that always stuck out. All the teachers in this movie are gay, too. Yeah. Everyone in this movie is gay. Yeah, except Everyone. for Meryl Beard. Except Meryl Beard, and, yeah, she's not, she's not gay. She's not paying attention. Like, she tries so hard. It makes me kind of sad. I'm like, Meryl, sweetie, oh. no. Meryl Beard. You about Meryl Beard. Yes. Okay, so we are then in Jesse's bedroom because his father won't let him go out yeah and he has to unpack all of his stuff mm-hmm. and there's a whole dance sequence yes with just dancing <laughs> i mean it was crazy and then he starts playing with a wooden stick near his cock and i was like this this is crazy and then meryl beard and his mom step in and a ball or something flies out of the stick near his cock and i was like this is crazy this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen I love it. It was amazing. I loved it. I love it. It's <laughs> like, what is this movie? <laughs> yeah, it's great. The, the dude's the one randomly dancing in his room, all cute, thinking he's not being observed. Yeah, thank you. And he definitely twerked his butt into dresser drawers to close it. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. You should be at every game club ever. Like a good one, not like the one you go to later in your dream sequence. Oh, so this is the part where they find Nancy's diary. Right. In the closet. Right. So, okay, so... Is, is Nancy... All right, answer me this, because yeah. Nancy comes back later in the series. They made it seem like she's dead. Is she not dead? She's not dead. She's not dead. And as far as what happens later in the series, I don't know if they consider this movie continuity, because, you know, that happens a lot in horror movie franchises, Halloween being a prime example, where sometimes they pretend that, that movie didn't happen. It's fine. It's fine. And I love how we all collectively yeah. accept it. And I think how it's interesting how in this one, it has nothing to do with being descended from parents who attacked Freddy. It was just, oh, you're in the same house this chick was in, and Freddy wants his body. He has the brain, but I want your body. And I was like, oh, no! <laughs> but I also kind of liked it. Yeah, Freddy. Yeah. But don't. And consent is important. Yeah. But also kind of hot. <laughs> I love that they, whoever the realtor was decided that they could leave the diary up in the closet. I know. Don't you love that? Yeah. No, it's crazy. Okay. So I wanted to talk about, oh, Jesse's mom, who is like a really reasonable human being. Yeah. And t- tries to tell his father. Okay. So at this point, Jesse's like not going on, like has no, like not getting any sleep. And oh, so, okay. So the cops find Jesse after his coach is killed. They find him. Walking, nude, naked, yes. down a highway. Yeah. yeah. Like you do. As you do. As you do. As one does when they're having problems coming out and they're harassed by a killer machine in their dreams. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he's yeah. walking down the street, totally naked. His mom is like, I think we should try to find some psychiatric help for our son who seems to be having some problems. Yeah. And his father's mm. like, he doesn't need help. He needs a methadone clinic. And I was like, what's this? What's happening? Yeah, I would like to point out that Jesse's mother is the most logical parent that has ever existed in a horror movie, ever. I love how his mom was the one that's like, he needs help. 
something is wrong with our child, we should get him set. No, he's fine. And and then when Jesse tells the dad, yeah, so when were you going to tell us that someone died in the goddamn house? And, you know, this house has a crappy history. And the, I love how the mom says, excuse me, so what, what happened in this house? Yeah. And, the, and the dad's like, it's fine. I mean, just a prime example of toxic masculinity. Thank you. I was going to bring that up. Trying to come out. <laughs> Seriously, this movie absolutely has representation of toxic freaking masculinity, especially through his dad, who's just like, no, it's fine. Our son's fine. He just, oh, he just, you know, no, I don't need to tell you this. I don't need to give you this information. Gaslighting. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun little elements. Yeah. I mean, his mom isn't much help, but at least she's trying. Yeah. And his dad is terrible. And then there's a weird scene with Jesse. Okay, so. I want to talk about it very briefly, but there's this part that cracked me the fuck up, and I don't think it was supposed to. I think it was supposed to be scary, mm-hmm. but, like, there's a lot of, like, all the parts in this movie. Like, oh, this is supposed to be scary, but it's actually unintentionally funny. Yeah. Um, so he goes into his, like, he opens the door to his sister's room, mm-hmm. and, like, he's dreaming again. And his sister is there skipping rope, and he's do- she's doing that, like, Freddy yeah. nursery rhyme thing. And then she finishes up. And he just calmly closes the door. Like you do. At the end of the scene. <laughs> and I was like, they, it was so <laughs> fucking weird. And I was like, what's going on? That was a weird moment. And it cracked me. His reaction to it was like a comedy beat. It was like, I have no words to describe what yeah. the fuck I'm watching. Like, I close this door. <laughs> like, that's a scene I imagine where it's Seth Rogen being like, okay. Then just closing the door, like, not going to question it. Not, not. I'm just gonna walk away. Nope. That. Nope. I'm just gonna pretend I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Like, it's later in the movie, but as far as another unintentionally funny moment for me that I have to bring up is it's later at the pool party and Freddie's running around and terrorizing everyone, and he's stuck in the house uh, with Meryl Beard. And there's this Meryl part Beard. where he's coming at Meryl Beard, and they're like far away, and they're both like tense and standing and staring at each other. And then Freddie's standing next to a cabinet full of nice flatware and he just knocks one of the plates over and i don't know why it's like haha screw your china fucking cracked me up every damn time like yes freddie you terrorize her by destroying her parents flatware yeah pretty lame but hilarious yeah i loved it yeah so i did i mean i thought it was interesting Okay, so they made Meryl Beard the hero in, like, the last act, which is a, I thought was a weird choice. Here's what's interesting about that, because I do agree with you. Because, obviously, our protagonist is Jesse, and typically the formula when you have a final girl, and Jesse's the final girl in this movie, they're Marvel. the hero in the third act. They're the one that steps up to the plate, finally grabs the machete, and starts going after the killer and defending themselves. So I think it's interesting that in this one, it's like the quote-unquote boyfriend is the one saving the day, and in this case, it's Meryl Beard, because, you know, she's the the quote-unquote boyfriend in this movie, if we're looking at the horror movie formula. So it's interesting that it felt weird, because I think they were trying to go back to the formula of, oh, the girl's gonna save the day, like they kind of typically do in these movies. But she hasn't really had much to do and it just felt weird because you know Jesse's trapped in like his body and it's like the power of love saving them oh god I couldn't take any of that but sorry that to me was like I agree because of course the way I see it is no sweetie it's the power of friendship not the power of love like he loves you like a friend 
because you're his beard. Anyway, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think they didn't, oh, okay. So what's interesting, too, is that she kind of does everything that normally the protagonist would do. Like, Nancy in the first one finds out all the history about Freddie. True, true. She, like, uncovers all of that. And then Meryl Beard in this one does the same thing, but it's such a B-plot because what we're really concentrating on is all the shit that's happening to Jesse. And right. His coming weird story mm-hmm. so we're so like oh i guess she found everything out and then they go to the factory together and i was like okay. and then they find some, okay but then they okay so they go to a factory together where i guess freddie where the boiler is where freddie died or yeah whatever anyway but there's this part where they find this random cabinet and they're like like a big moment where they open the cabinet and there's a rat inside and I, I'm sorry, but her react, Meryl Beard's reaction to a rat was so over the top. She, like, holds in on herself into Jesse, <laughs> and she's, like, holding her. And I was like, what's going on? What's this? Okay. What, what like, what, is, I'll, what okay. was supposed to be the other stuff? What was supposed to be the reaction? Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you what's going on. <laughs> Meryl okay, Beard yeah. really wants that ass, okay? She's, like, trying so hard to make this happen. So in her mind, it's okay. I'm going to be a girl and be vulnerable so that he can feel like manly around me. So we can finally have sex. Eventually. That's what happened. Yeah. She was trying to work. She was trying to play. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It fails beautifully. Um, so she was trying to play the the girl card and trying to make him feel like a man around her. But of course we all know that's not going to work with Jesse because he doesn't like girls like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I want to talk about Grady. Can we talk about Grady? Yeah. Because Grady is hilarious to me. I think Grady is one of my favorite characters in this batshit crazy movie. Oh, no, totally, because he's, like, funny and ridiculous. He's hilarious. Okay. The best scene with him, though, is the cafeteria scene. Yes. So they're all in the cafeteria together. Okay, so one of of, um, Meryl Beard's girlfriends asks her, asks Grady, Oh, are you coming to the party? Grady says, no, I'm grounded because I pushed my grandmother down a flight of stairs. <laughs> what is this movie? I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. There's a part of my brain that's like, okay, A, once again, who wrote this? Love it. Who wrote this? I love it. Not criticizing, by the way. <laughs> And I know I am so, probably so wrong, but it's like, was this an Easter egg reference to the 1950s movie, The Bad Seed, where a girl does push her grandmother down the stairs? I love that movie. (gasps) Bad Seed is great. Okay. If you haven't watched Bad Seed, listen to the rest of this podcast, and then (laughs) immediately don't watch Bad Seed, because it is fucking awesome. Yeah. But... I love that idea. But also, I want to know everything about what his family life is like. I was like, what is this? What's happening? Is the grandmother okay? Yeah. What, what is the relationship like between his family, like his mom and his dad and him? It's bonkers. And the fact that they're like, oh, Bonk- you're just grounded. You don't get to go to a party because you did it again, Grady. Stop pushing your grandmother. Oh. And there's like no reaction to it. Like the, her, the girl doesn't go... What the fuck? Yeah. No one has... Jesse's in his own little world, so he's broken. But... And then Meryl B is just totally infatuated with Jesse. So no one has a... I'm like, did this guy ad-lib this line? 
What is this? Yeah, I loved it. This. That's the best, too, that nobody goes, oh, ha, 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 Grady, you snarky little thing. They're just like, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, fine. oh, you definitely pushed your grandmother down a flight of stairs. That definitely happened. That's fine. And then Jesse later goes, in the same scene, he goes, shut up, Grady. <laughs> and Grady goes, fine. <laughs> I will shut up. Oh, shut up. Dad. <laughs> to it. Slams his tray down and proceeds to go home and push his grandmother down another flight of stairs. Right. I right. was like, what is this? <laughs> uh, he well, definitely went home and down the flight of stairs right? right like he definitely did that yeah no definitely he was, like, he was upset he just had a lover spat which is very you know we all get very upset after we've had a lover spat and sometimes we take it out on those closest to us so i think every time one of grady's family members is victimized by getting thrown down said flight of stairs it's always after a jesse and grady lover spat because they just can't make it work i mean how many grandmothers does he have i mean two probably but mm. anyway um <laughs> playing the odds Probably too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So later on, Meryl Beard is having a pool party. Uh, Jesse is sleep deprived. He doesn't want to be there. Also, he has no attraction to her and doesn't care. Um, none. <laughs> none at all. Poor Meryl Beard. I, I get it because she's sort of a flat character and has nothing going on. She's yeah. the least interesting character in this. So it's fine. She's a plot device. Yes. Exactly. And like Meryl Beard had nothing to do. And I love that that's her name now. So, they're at the party. He decides he's going to leave. She tries to basically rape him? Question mark? Not really. She doesn't try to rape him. They no, make out. Just, but they're just making out, and she just likes him, and so naive and unaware of what's happening with him. I mean, aside from the supernatural stuff, obviously. And I love it, too, because this is a scene that happens a lot in these movies when our young lovers are finally starting to get it on. So once again, flipping the script, she's the one initiating it, and they're finally... <laughs> Going to town, but then Freddie's like, nah, uh, nah, uh, uh. That tongue was so gross and inappropriate. <laughs> I was like, no. I know. He's like <clears throat> licking his, her boobage. He's licking her boobage. Ugh. Licking her boobage. Ew. No. Thumbs up. God, no. Tongue. Long, tongue-alicus, tongue, tongue, tongue package, tongue, just I, like tongue of palooza. It was gray yeah. and uh, funky. Uh, Ugh. I did uh, not like, 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 I don't even, makes me want to vomit. Like, it's so gross. I, I was also, like, ooh, yeah. gross. And I, I just love how Freddie, that is a constant go-to way of terrorizing the little children is, I'm going to lick them. That's what I want to do. Because he did it to Nancy <laughs> with the phone. That scene. See, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I have a pretty high tolerance in horror movies when it comes to gore, people getting stabbed, their heads are torn off. I'll sit there eating my popcorn, like, unfazed. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. But if you, but then get this creepy claymation tongue thing going on, and that's when I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is revolting. Oh, heaven's bitten. It's this too is, much. This is just uh, obscene. Oh, my pearls. Oh, no. Got my pearls, yes. Oh. Problem with it, really? I was like, "Oh, it's gross. Great, it's a horror movie." Yeah. What I it out? It's anything to do with eyeballs. Really? I don't like anything I. I like. I do not. Okay, eye stuff. I do cringe a little bit. Yeah, especially if they're like putting their thumbs in the eyes, and that's what I'm like. Ew, 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 ew. And teeth. Ooh, yeah, like oh, teeth God. getting knocked like, out. Yeah. Teeth like Oh, oh God! Oh God! Grabbing my teeth to make sure they're still there right now. Yes, they're still there. Okay, good. Great. great. Yeah. No, I'm like talking about it. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that it's like those little things where I do have a true visceral reaction, but someone getting totally stabbed to death and there's blood spreading out everywhere. And if literally like intestines are coming out, people are getting eaten by zombies. Like there, someone's being eaten alive in front of me. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's like popping popcorn, drinking drinks and like ready for a nap afterwards. Yeah, I'm like, seriously. Sure, I'm like, whatever. exactly. The, the thing with the tongue, that's where I went, ugh. No, that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. And unexpected. That's what I think. For me, I was like, oh, I didn't expect that. What's going on? Totally. Uh, Agreed. I didn't expect a coach to be strung up in a shower and beaten with a towel. Yeah. But like that I remembered, this I did not remember. Same. So when I watched, the funny thing is me too. I When I watched it again last night, oh, ow, I blocked this out of my memory. Oh. Totally. I was grossed out by it. And that's fine. I mean, it's a horror movie. So yeah. Like, it's like. me out is great. Exactly. It's like this once this is why I come to watch these things totally. Yeah. Okay, so after that Jesse gets freaked out because he's dealing with his homosexuality if I right. the time, you guys. But yeah. we'll just say it's the time. Yeah. And then he runs to Grady because he needs help. Yes. And he proceeds to dump on top of him while he's asleep. I wanting of course to love- use his newborn tongue on Grady. Right. I love so much that in this movie I need emotional support. I'm going to go to my male friend for emotional I'm support. Run away from Meryl Beard and run to Grady, who, by the way, P.S., pushes his own grandmother down a flight of stairs, but I'd rather spend time with him because he turns me on the than power- spend any more time with Meryl Beard. Everyone, the power of boners is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've have we, have we not all had that moment where we've run to said paramour who had a huge flaw, and then our justification was, well, nobody's perfect. Yeah, he played big bushes, grandmother down the There's nobody's perfect. Everyone Wait, has flaws. I don't, I don't think he ran to him because of a huge flaw. I think he ran to him because of a huge something else. Oh, yeah. Because let us point out, <laughs> Grady at this moment, he's only wearing, like, boxers. Because everyone, all the guys in this movie sleep without shirts on, okay. and I appreciate that. Yeah. And Grady should. I mean, they both look great. Yeah. Jesse looks mm-hmm. But Grady looks great. Yeah. I mean, he's tan, muscular, not at all, like a hair, you know, like, I'm like, he's very 80s, like, he's oiled up. I was told, you know? yeah, he's very much 80s attractive. And it's still pretty attractive now. I was like, oh, your body looks good, you're yeah. fit, you know, like, yeah. you got a good six-pack going on. Mm-hmm. I like all of this. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so Jesse comes to him and says, I need you to help me stay awake, or watch me while I sleep, or something gay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then... Watches Jesse. Oh, he's preventing Jesse from coming out, basically. It's weird. Yeah. The weird closet moment brought to you by this subtextual film that has no idea that it's subtext. It's um, so good. So, <laughs> like, so good. Why? Uh, so he's watch. He has to watch Jesse sleep so he doesn't do anything weird. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then Jesse proceeds to fall asleep, and then Grady goes, "Night, buddy." Wink, wink. They're mm-hmm. in separate bed. Whatever. Okay. It's still the 80s, guys. We don't get everything. So, (laughs) Grady then goes to bed, too. Then Jesse proceeds to go into his dream state, and there's a really... This is the part where he transforms, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's this cool transformation sequence, I thought, to Freddy. I thought this was cool. Like, his arm starts to be torn apart, and the claw starts to come out of it. Yeah, it was... Honestly... This movie has awesome special effects. That was so 
well done. It was creepy. It was effective. It looked realistic. I was all about it. Yeah. I thought it was really, really cool. That part held up better than the next Freddy is bursting out of his stomach, which doesn't look great. No. Oh, and the part where you can see Freddy's eye where his tonsil is, I was like, no. (laughs) See, that part, I just, actually, I kind of like that part. But I can see it, it's like clearly, um, I forget um, the term they use, like trick photography or whatever it is they use in the 80s, but I kind of like that, like more so than his head bursting out of his chest. Okay, like, I am here, me, me, me. But see, that I was okay with. That I was okay with. I see you. (laughs) While all of this is happening, which is a pretty slow transformation sequence, it's not fast in any way. Mm -hmm. Brady is uh, like slamming on his door, shouting for his dad, who I think, in my mind, headcanon, is ignoring him because, like, you pushed my mom down a flight of stairs. Yeah, fuck you, bad seed son. <laughs> you piece of shit. That's and like, I, that's where I, I he's like <clears throat> screaming for his dad. Yeah, he's screaming. His dad, like no one's coming. And to continue with said head cannon, which I share with you for the record, the dad's like, "Oh no, the door can't open. Open the door, son." Oh, I'm trying so hard to open this door. He says the line, "Son, it's your dad. Open the door." So, like. Let me identify myself. Just so we're in case clear. You know, for the for the audience that's watching that may not have made the connection that I'm the adult that's coming to your door. Right. I'm his father. That's what we call audience. exposition. I am your father. <laughs> like, this is not Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. We got it. We we made we understand what's happening. This is not far fetched at all. Great, fuck you. What's happening? Yeah. Oh, then, okay, I have to say, Grady turns around, he's sweaty, he's looking tormented. Mm. The best he's looked in this movie is right before he dies. I know. He looks great. I feel so objectifying, like I'm objectifying this man. And I was like, you look great to Grady. Like, look. And they're like, okay, now flex. (laughs) If I may interject something, flipping the script, who's getting objectified in these movies? The dudes. And as a straight woman, I appreciate that, especially in the horror movie genre, because it's typically the girls running around with their shirt ripped open and you just see their bra and their boobs are bouncing up and down and they're wearing like little short shorts or sometimes not even that, just like underwear. And it's like, yes, thank you. We need more of this. I would love way more of this. Like. Yeah. I enjoy it. I think, um, okay, so Freddy goes away again. So there's a big transformation sequence, and then he's not Freddy again. He's himself. <clears throat> yeah, and they never really make right? that clear. He's like Jesse, and then he's Freddy again. It's like, whatever, I accept it. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes back to Meryl Beard. Is he Freddy? That, I can't remember what happened. It's hard. It's hard. I, I can't remember either, even though I just watched it. So since <laughs> his true love just died... Grady, his number one. Right. He has to go back to, okay, I guess I'll go to the beard, I guess, because I now have no other options. So he goes back to Meryl Beard. And then eventually Freddy comes out in full force and then just starts terrorizing the party. And also, I love this scene at the party where you have this clearly monstrous man with the burns and then the, the, the knives coming out of the fingers. And he's killed some people. Everything's boiling, fire, chaos, etc. And then you have this very attractive young man come up and say, bro, no, whatever you want. And first of all, he's a hero. 
can I just say he's a hero? That was a very adult way to handle that. He's a hero of his own story. <laughs> he is. He's not the hero. No, he's he's a hero for me because I was like, you're cute, Mister. I only have a few lines, but you've stood out in my mind. But I love how this guy is just. He could be the new Grady. He could be the new what? He could be the new Grady. There he we go. Be the replacement. He's he's the next Grady. There we go. But what I love is how everyone is relatively in that moment calm, considering that there's this legitimately terrifying guy who's been murdering people, and he's just like, bro, it's cool. What do you want? No one needs to get hurt. Let's let's let's, let's, let's he roll says, out. No one's gonna hurt you. I'm like, no one's gonna hurt you. She's hurting everyone else. What are you talking about? I know. At that point, I would have grabbed the closest barbecue instrument and been like, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you, Mister Knifey Fingers. I don't know. Some that moment of unexpected levity and maturity just always like stood out to me because I'm you're handling this way too well, sir. I would have been climbing over people, climbing over that little wired gate. Like, get me the fuck out of here! They literally, they literally trampled one of their classmates. Oh yeah, I saw that. He's yes, like, yes. by Freddie. He literally got run over. Yeah. Like, like by a reindeer. Yeah. And like, they just crushed him. Blood came out of his face. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. That's crazy. I liked it. But I hated it. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> oh, okay. So he's, he's Freddy again. And then there's the part where his, okay, so Meryl Beard's dad comes out with a shotgun. Yeah, like a rifle and, or a shotgun or something, yeah. Yeah, and tries to shoot Freddy slash Jesse. He misses the first time. Mm-hmm. Terrible shot. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh no, he's going to shoot one of the kids. Which is why guns are bad. Anyway, then Meryl tries to grab, Meryl Beard tries to grab the gun from her father. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, good question. But okay. then, and then Freddie walks into a combustion of fire and disappears. Right? Question it was weird. That was a weird yeah. exit. That was a weird, tra- like, scene ending moment. Yeah. Meryl Beard runs off and it, our parents don't stop her. Yeah. I, I would also like to point out that if I were with a paramour who all of a sudden turned into Freddy Krueger, I'd be like, oh, I have to kill you now. My loyalty to you only goes so far. Let exactly. me make it clear. I would not, there would, there would be no moral quandary for me. I'd be like, oh, you you have to die now. Okay, great. So I have to figure out how to kill you. That, that's the conundrum now. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do I kill you? Yeah, it's like, okay, like, do I decapitate, do burning alive, decapitation, ripping the heart out? Like what, what what mythology are we going with here? Cut up all the limbs, separate them into different boxes. <clears throat> oh, put, what, bar- what's the situation? Bury them on different parts of the earth, a continent for each one. Like, what's the game plan here? I'll buy the tickets right now. I, I'm on Expedia.com. They have, like, they're having a sale going on right now. I'm gonna, I'll turn this into, like, my eat, pray, love trip. Like, also burying these, like, different limbs in different parts of, like, the world. Yeah, <laughs> We need a way to go disconnect his tongue put it somewhere else because obviously his power is in his tongue because it's everywhere and it's disgusting oh my god i think you might be right i think you might be right it's all in his his gross old man tongue oh god that fucking tongue Um, so gross okay so apparently freddie's plan is to go back to the factory and then he somehow thinks that i guess meryl beard is going to follow him which she then does by herself without a weapon so dumb terrible he's so dumb i don't feel i don't like her I don't like her as a character. I didn't like her in this movie. I found her to be annoying. 
Well, and yeah, because they're all beautiful. And even though there is a lot of gender flipping as far as like the kind of roles each character is playing, typically a lot of these females who are purely in a movie as a plot device, they do unfortunately come across as annoying. Like you see this a lot with a lot of female characters, which is unfortunate because they're literally only there to move the plot along, to cause drama, to manufacture conflict. So she's a prime example of that. Yeah. She had nothing to do. Yeah. Which was clear. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so they, uh, so she goes, oh, the weird, the, there was that weird, those weird guard dogs that did nothing factory with, that were useless? That had babies? Why did they have babies? <clears throat> what was happening? I, uh, was it the, the children that, may, maybe, I think the, the writers were like, we need creepy hell dogs. Uh, we'll put, uh, children's faces on them. Yeah, that, that's creepy. Yeah. And they were useless. Yeah. They did nothing when Meryl showed up. So, I mean, it was crazy. So are you guys just there to look um, intimidating, but not actually attacked? Okay, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So then she meets it. She's scared a lot, whatever. She does the girl um, thing. This is the part where I kind of became less invested in everything. I kind of got like, eh, all right, this is about Meryl becoming... Meryl Beard is now the hero of the third act, and she's going to save Jesse, and I was sort of like, all right. It's interesting because, like... Yeah, through the power of love and friendship. I mean, because it's not like romantic love, let's be real. It's the power of friendship because that's the love they have. Like, I think Jesse does love her, but as a friend, which is fine. Friendships are great. Fine. Go know what she wants, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Horror movies have such a tradition of elevating women yeah. in these in horror which is so cool. Like, that's kind of what makes horror movies a nice distinction or difference from a lot of other movies that you might see. Like, action movies are all about men, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, horror movies have been about women, mostly. Yeah, well, like the seven, 60s. Yeah, it's and cool. that's... Especially with the slasher. In some ways, they reinforce misogyny, but then in other ways, they praise women. It's very interesting. It's like how women are raised. Are they being rewarded for their abstinence? Are they being rewarded for good behavior? But it's interesting to see that involved because women are raised up. And I'm not trying to like criticize past horror movies, but I, I agree with you. And I think it's just interesting how you're right. They they do raise up women, sometimes for different reasonings, but the, it's absolutely yeah. true. But So I thought... You know, I think I think I would like this final act more if Jesse took more ownership and agency of what was happening to him mm-hmm. and he figured out how to defeat him or defeat Freddy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know that's sort of antithetical to what I usually like, which is women reclaiming their reclaiming their time and right. getting up in there and like the boss. But this is not this wasn't Meryl Beard's story. This was Jesse's story. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, I don't really want to see Meryl win the day through love. Like, I, that's not what I'm here to see. And I think the reason that happened, that direction they went in, is because they didn't realize the story they were making. Like, if they were aware of the story they were making, I would like to think that they would have gone more in the direction that you just suggested. But because they had no idea what they were making, they were like, oh, the young lovers will save the day through the power of love. Yeah, sure. And it'll seem really disingenuous and won't make sense narratively. And, no. Okay, great. Or, um, it's you know, like, like I think... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. That Jesse reclaiming some of his agency and saving himself. Or even, like, if they wanted to go the route of friendship and love or whatever, if it had been, like, Grady, if he hadn't gotten murdered, being like, bro, I love you, bro, I would have fucking loved that. That would have been amazing. You know, like, I think if they made a progressive horror movie now, and it was just about him and Grady, you know, like, he went to his friend Meryl Beard, Mm -hmm. and she got killed. And then he went back to Grady, who's his boyfriend, basically. And they 
went on this journey and they figured themselves out. They came out to each other and they were able to reclaim their power and agency. And he figured out who he was at the same time of defeating Freddy Krueger. And they both fought together. I'd be like, yeah, I want that story. So, I don't, I'm not interested in version of let's get rid of any gay subtext. Cause we don't know what movie we're making. Yeah. Something story. just, like something just occurred to me. So as many of us probably already know, they did a reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street about 10 or so years ago. Didn't really take off. It was pretty good. But of course, they never created two or three. It was the solo movie. What if they decided to do a new Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but it's the rewritten, even better version of this movie because of the times we are in? We are now aware of what this movie that, And I would happily write it for free. I'll help you. Like, I, cause I think that there's, there's a story here that could work and could be modernized and could be really fucking cool and interesting. And it's like, it's looking back on it as a kitschy, weird, unintentional, hetero, hetero, uh, homosexual experience. That's mm-hmm. the most interesting part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why don't we get rid of all that subtext and just make a text yeah. and then really just analyze what it's like to come out and be harassed and be fighting against a monster from within, but it's actually like your own inner strength. And it's like coming out of the closet and fighting against this guy at the same time. Like I was like, Ooh yeah. All that stuff, that crunchy, like good shit. Like that's what I want. Yeah. You know? And I feel like this movie was like self-aware the last, like the second act, the last part of the second act. And then the third act would be that story about him and Grady Mm -hmm. as opposed to Meryl Beard and saving the day, which is weird. Right. It's a weird place, anyway. Um, so anyway, so his body melts through the power of love. Yeah. he sets himself on fire. And then through the tar-broiled carcass, Jesse breaks out, and he's alive. Yeah. So that's him coming out to me. But he doesn't look great. <laughs> he doesn't look great. But he's alive. But he doesn't yeah. look great. Oh, okay. So then the movie's basically over. But just like the last movie, the first movie, there's this, like, end sequence which is very dreamy and mm-hmm. weird. So they're on the bus again. So it's come like full circle. They're on the bus, they're mm-hmm. riding, but they're driving to school as opposed to getting like dropped off. So, which is what the opening sequence was. So then everyone's acting very strangely though in this scene. And I was like, is this intentional weird acting or is this just terrible acting because they're <laughs> terrible? Like I couldn't figure out because I was like, some of these people acted I'm like Meryl Beard was not great throughout the movie. So mm-hmm. I was a little like, is she acting weird or is she just right? And I and, barely saw Meryl Beard's friend that I couldn't figure out. And also because it's following the tradition of how the first movie ended, it's like, everything's great. Everything's fine. And it cracks me up how many times different characters say in this scene, it's over. It's all over. And of course, you know, my brain, it's like, you never fucking say that. That, no, that's, that's like saying, how could it possibly get worse? Like, or it couldn't get worse. That's up there as far as dumb shit you never say, because you guarantee something bad's about to happen. Or let's split up. Oh, yes. Don't split up. Let's split up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't split up. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of weird, we're in a dream. And then um, Freddy's hand comes ripping through uh, Meryl Beard's friend, who I never can remember. The one with the perm? Doesn't matter. Perm girl? Yeah, perm girl. Yeah, perm girl. Permy. Permy gets ripped apart as Freddy's hand comes tearing through her, her, quote-unquote, stomach, chest area. Yeah. Not the best 
not the best effect. No blood. She's apparently a very dried out human being. Yeah. And yeah. then last scene, the last shot is the bus driving off into the desert. And then, I thought was a weird ending. It was a weird ending. They were just trying to recreate the gotcha from the first movie as far as, you thought it was all over, but it isn't. The special effects were better in this end sequence than it was in the first one. Yeah. Where her mom gets pulled through the little window. Oh, I always love that. becomes a... I actually, I love that. I, that's a scene I typically watch on repeat because I was like, hmm, okay, sure. Another thing I love about that weird last scene is, because of course we already know something's off. Like I think they are trying to communicate. You think everything's fine, but is it really? And so I love how everything with the pool party happened, people getting trampled and murdered and a man walking around with, you know, knives for fingers. And everyone's like super chill. Like, oh, it's okay. It's all over now. It's great. Like, we're not going to ex- have any leftover trauma from, happened. Yeah, from all of it. That we're, we're I not- mean, it's, it's, a bon- it's, it's a bonkers horror 1980s movie. That's what it is. But, mm. like, awesome. There's a lot of, like, homosexual subjects, like we've been talking about. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy and different and amazing, and I liked it. Yeah. I, what did you think? What, what do we rate this? How do we rate this? Oh, my goodness. Claws? Freddy's Claws? Freddy's Claws, yeah. Yeah, how many claws out of... Because, you know, he's got five. He's got five. Okay. Um, In a way, like, I would rate this high, but in a lot of ways, I would be like, no. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I would want to rate it's it like- high out of sentimentality and because of my general love of horror. I think, honestly, I would give it a two and a half out of five claws. Yeah. Everything we talked about with, like, the third act and some of the absurd choices. And I do think it's something worth watching. I recommend it, especially if you're a horror fan. If you haven't already seen it, oh, my God, go watch it immediately. There are some choices with the story and some of the dialogue that seems a little silly. So, overall, it's a great addition to the horror movie genre. But, yeah, two and a half. I love it. It's ridiculous. I would say two. I think that a good note, a funny note in the history of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. Because it's so half from anything else they ever do. Uh, an interesting, different approach to a story that we don't get to see a lot. I mean, basically, it's like a gay hero, sort totally. of. Yeah. And it's funny. And like, I yeah, I think there's a lot of, I mean, narr- structure-wise, fix a lot of problems in it. Mm-hmm. Dialogue-wise, Although there are some funny moments that I kind of adore. Mm-hmm. I would fix a lot of that. But I think that, um, and the third act is not great. But I think overall, I enjoyed it. Okay. I had a good time watching it. Yeah, I think it's a good time. I think everyone should watch it at least once mm-hmm. and just kind of enjoy the really homoerotic undertones and overtones and tones and subtext and text and right. craziness. I think it's bonkers. Completely agree. Yeah. I cannot believe that they just did not know. I cannot believe that. Yeah. Like, it's just I highly recommend, I think it's called Never Sleep Again. It's a documentary about all of the Freddy movies. They interview actors, writers for each movie. It's so interesting and especially focus on the section about this movie. Because what adds to this movie for me is the naivete of almost everyone involved as far as like what was going on. And so yeah, it's trippy and I know this wasn't their intention but I do sincerely enjoy how this movie does flip the roles as far as what person of what gender is doing because there is a typical formula for horror and it's nice to like you were talking about it's nice to see a different formula that we to this day don't get to see very often and I enjoyed that I mean there's I mean just 
on a basic level, there are no gay characters in any horror movies at all. Yeah. Um, I think there was one in Scream 4. I was going to say Scream 4, But yeah. we don't find out gay until he's <laughs> being killed. No one's textually gay. Right. So there are no gay characters. Like, there's literally none. So it's interesting to finally to talk about homosexual undertones and some subtext and stuff like that because we don't really get declarative statements like, that's a gay character. You know, like, we don't For really sure. have that in any horror movie. For sure. We don't really have that in movies. So it's yeah. cool to, like, kind of get represented a little bit, though not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy Everyone should check this out anyway because it's kind of hilarious and the good. I mean, there's a lot of him sleeping and sweaty in the first act that is interesting it's an interesting structure that they set up in this movie which is yeah like, the first act is like him sleeping a lot the second act is his weird love story with grady yeah and then the third act is his weird trying to cover up his love interest grady's death with meryl beard but <clears throat> turning into a monster and trying to kill everyone yeah yeah that's what this movie is <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty interesting yeah, definitely. I recommend it. It's it's a fun watch and watch that documentary and watch the bad seed. Yes, watch the bad seed immediately. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, everyone. <laughs> until, next time, guys. until next time, talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.